Good morning. Thanks for being here today. My name is Daryl. I'm the pastor of Congregational Care, and I get the privilege of opening the word with you on Memorial Day weekend. Excited to do that. And we, we celebrate this weekend. We, we remember those who have served. And you think of World War II and, and how our soldiers went and fought for the injustice that was going on in this world. You think of justice in in the fact of then in our Pledge of Allegiance, we say in, for, with liberty and justice for all. Our world wants justice and, and we have a sense of justice that has been ingrained in us because we're created in the image of God and God is 100% just. Whether it's the evil of someone going into an elementary school with a gun or, or someone being falsely convicted of a crime they haven't committed, injustices are all over this world. And, and when we hear about them, we groan inside because we just inherently know that it's wrong. And But even mankind's best attempts at justice fall woefully short of the justice of God. And only God can provide perfect 100% justice all of the time. And we don't, as mankind, sinful mankind, doesn't, we want to be God. We, just as the lie in the Garden of Eden, which said, you can be like God, that lie perpetuates itself over and over and over. And, and God has been removed from the public square in our society. And, and our people, rather than looking at, to God for, and his word of how true justice is achieved, we try to create a utopia through some things like social justice or well, other means of injustice abounds. The further we get from God as a society, the more injustice will rule our land. We see that in the Old Testament. This, this message, one of the things that brought me to this is when I had the privilege to preach out of Hosea. And in there in studying that, we see that in Israel, when Israel would fall away from the law of God and start going down wrong paths and worshiping other gods, injustice started invading the land and perpetuating itself. When it comes to this question of justice, though, we always want to look outside of ourselves. We are, are good at, at trying to justify ourselves and what we do. But we must also look, we must look at ourselves and, and realizing that justice in our lives begins with the realization that we have committed a great injustice by breaking the law of God. And we need to be made right with him, first and foremost. We need the justification that only can be found in the work of Jesus Christ whom we put our faith in. Then through his spirit, we can understand his word, which helps us grow in, in loving our neighbor as ourselves. And then we can begin to see the true change that the world is yearning for. When it comes to Christ and, and his sacrifice on the cross, when it comes to our salvation, I, I liken it to a diamond. You can look at a diamond. I, I never held a diamond that big, but if I could... You look at it from every facet and you can see it and every angle you look at it, there's a different beauty and its radiant beauty shows. And it's like that with the cross of Christ. And this morning, I want to look at the cross of Christ, looking at his substitutionary atonement. He died in our place. He paid for our sins. I want to look at that through the lens of the perfect justice of God. Justice has come to this world through Christ and what he did on the cross. We see here, if we're gonna get one thing from this message, just one, would love to have you remember this. Jesus, the only just human to ever walk the earth, 
on the cross satisfied the justice of God so that the unjust may be justified. I'll read that again. Jesus, the only just human to ever walk the earth, on the cross satisfied the justice of God so that the unjust may be justified. This morning, let's look at that through the book of Romans. If you take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 3, let's look at verses 21 through 26. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. Begin to read here. It says, But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, as we come to your word, and we look at the beautiful salvation we have in Jesus Christ, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to, people who don't know Christ as their Savior, to see it for the first time. And for us who, who have been saved, may it be even more beautiful today than it was before we, when we walked in this building. Lord, open our eyes to your goodness. Lord, be with me as I preach your word, that I would preach your truth and not mere opinion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So when we come to this passage, we see the first words in, in, chapter, in verse 21 say, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested. So there's something that came before this, and I, I want to look at this for a moment. I want to look at the humbling reality of mankind's sinful state. It is a humbling reality. In our world today, um, in the public square at least, humanism is what is seen as the truth, is what is taught in many areas of our education system. And people think we, we think we are God. And it started way back, I mean, actually in the 19th century, a German philosopher named Friedrich Nietzsche said this, God is dead, God remains dead, and we have killed him. Must we ourselves not become gods to appear worthy of it? You think of that, and that is the lie that was in the garden just perpetuated once again, that we can be God. And in, in our world today, instead of saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's love yourself. Believe in yourself. It's, it's taught to our children from a young age. I, I've ruined many of shows for my children by pausing things and saying, hey, we need to talk about this for a minute. Do any of you remember growing up watching the show Arthur? I think it's on. If my kids were here, they would, they would roll their eyes and be like, here he goes again. You know, there's that song, you know, Ziggy Marley singing the song. It's a very catchy tune. And at one part it says, it's a simple message and it comes from the heart. Just believe in yourself. That's the place to start. It's taught to our children from a young age. 
And so we're told those things, and while we shouldn't hate ourselves, which I would say as humans we have the opposite problem, we must realize that we have sinned against God, and God must punish sin because he is a good God. And we must look at ourselves through the lens of truth. What is most important is not what I think of myself. It is, what does, it is this, what does God say about me? And we tend to neglect talking about the sinfulness of mankind. Why? Because if we, we talk to people, like, it can get real awkward real quick, right? People get angry. We don't like being called out. How many of you love being called out? None of us like it. It gets our defenses up. But the word of God talks about this. In the book of Romans, i give you a quick outline. Paul is talking about the sinfulness of humans, 118 from chapter 1, verse 18, through chapter 3, verse 20. He talks about the universal reign of sin in this world. In chapter 118 through verse 32, we talk about God's wrath revealed. And in chapter 2, all of chapter 2 through 3, 8, it's talking about the wrath of God and the Jews. And then Chapter 3, verse 9 through 20, it talks about the guilt of all humanity. And let's look at these verses for a, mo- a moment. Chapter nine, verse 9 of chapter 3, it says, What then, are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. They are swift to shed blood in their paths and are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So we see here, who is good? No one is good. So we are created in the image of God, and we do have value, and humans are part of God's good creation. When God in Genesis 1.31 said everything was very good, Adam and Eve were created, but we must remember that we have been completely corrupted by sin. And we must look at God's standard of good. It's 100% perfection. We as human beings like to have a subjective standard of good that changes. I always like to say that even a murderer in prison can say, I'm good compared to that other murderer. At least I'm not like them. Or a subjective of good can change, and you think of, of sports, it's soccer season, and I drove by a soccer field yesterday, and it's packed, and kids out there playing, and you could say, oh, there's a very good U12 girls soccer team. They're good, they're beating everyone, but put them up against a college soccer team, they're not good anymore. You could take some of the guys in here, and, and we could play a football game against the five-year-olds, and you know what? We'd be good. <laughs> but put us up against even the Lions, and it would be horrible. Ryan Kimmel hands the ball off to John Delger. Oh, John goes down real fast. <laughs> It'd be painful. The standard of good changes, but really we need to look at God's standard of good, and that is 100% perfection, and that is the standard of good that counts. That's the one that matters. 
And it says here that no one is righteous, no one seeks God, no one does good, not even one. We've all turned aside. There's no fear of God. So who is good? No one is good. But then it also goes here in, in verses 19 and 20, and we look at the mirror of God's law, God's standard. It says, now whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law of God, when we look at it, we, we, we know we've all lied. We know we've all We've all dishonored our parents. We've all done those things, stolen something. And the law stops us from justifying ourselves because we can go anywhere and stealing and murder and lying are wrong. And when people do it to us, it feels inherently wrong because God has put his law in our hearts and it stops us from trying to justify ourselves. And we've all done it since we were kids, right? My mom used to drive me nuts when I would get in trouble. And I would try to explain myself. And I'd say, yeah, but. And she'd say, no, yeah, buts, Yeah, but. No, yeah, buts. Because I'm trying to justify myself. When we can only be justified by the work of God. So it's, the law shows us our sinfulness. And what is the verdict? We're guilty on all accounts. Now, if we were left there, That'd be a very sad state to be left in. But now, let's look at the beautiful reality of the righteousness received by grace through faith in Jesus. These words, but now, are beautiful, beautiful words. But it's good, feeling the weight of our sins make these two words a spark of hope in us. You'd think of this scenario, let's say you go to the, the doctor's office and the doctor knows that you have a cancer that can be cured, but you must follow a specific regimen very closely in order to be cured from this cancer. A good doctor would come in and say, you have cancer, it, 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 will, it's going, it can kill you. And here's what's gonna happen, it's gonna start in your kidneys, start here, and it's gonna go through your body, it's gonna ravage your body, you're gonna die. But here's the cure. How fast you must follow this, you would take it right away. And when we see our sin, when, when we preach the gospel, it's important that people see that they need a savior. We need a savior. And we love stories that, that have this. You think of, of J.R.R. Tolkien in, in his stories. He illustrates this well. How many of you like the, like the book, The Hobbit, and like that story? Raise your hand proud if you like it. It's not... <laughs> There, there's one, Tolkien does this well throughout his stories, his books. There's one part where their band that is traveling in the book, The Hobbit, there's Gandalf and there's these dwarves and there's Bilbo the Hobbit. And they're running and the bad guys, the orcs, they get caught on a side of a cliff climbing up trees. And these, these orcs are there and they're, they're sorely outnumbered. And on the others, they're up in these trees and there's a cliff on the other side. And the trees are they're, they're getting set on fire. And now the fire's climbing up the trees. And what are they going to do? They cannot jump off the cliff. It's sure death. They cannot go down. It's sure death. And if they stay in the tree, it's sure death. But in this story, the eagles, the great eagles come and swoop down and save them out of the trees. And that is a picture of us. We are hopeless. There's no way we can go. But Jesus Christ 
comes and pays the price for our sins. And we love these type of stories too. They're, they're woven in our DNA. I mean, even our kids, you think of, I have grandchildren and I get the, the special, special privilege of watching Paw Patrol with them. And, and even in Paw Patrol, you get stories like this, this I think it's called Lady Jane, and she turns Chickaletta, this chicken, into this giant chicken. And she's going around and destroying everything. Here comes the mighty pups, man, and they save the day. Why do we love stories like this? Because that is the story of reality, that we were lost, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and we need to be saved from the wrath of God, and Jesus is our savior, and Jesus came and lived the perfect life fulfilling the law. He came and died a death on the cross, taking our punishment and rose again the third day. I love this quote here. This is, you know, Facebook does have some good things. I found this quote someone posted on Facebook the other day. If it was one of y'all, thank you, because I use it in my sermon. Paul Washer says this, so many people think that the gospel is for lost people. The gospel is for lost people, but it is even more for converted people. The more you and I understand about what truly happened on that cross, the more you and I will be driven to serve Christ. Not out of legalism, not out of some fear or dread, but simply out of joyful appreciation, look what Jesus did for me. Amen? Look what he has done for us. We can have, it says, this, law, this righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the Old Testament talks about it, the law and the prophets bear witness to it. There is a coming Savior. There is a coming Messiah. We read those prophecies in like in Isaiah 53 and, and all over the place, there's many prophecies about Christ. It says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Not from keeping the law. We could not keep the law. It is the righteousness of God. And here's a beautiful thing. We just don't get our sins forgiven, which is awesome. We also receive the righteousness of Jesus, credited it to our account. We get that. Our sins are gone. We get his righteousness, and we all need this. It says there is no distinction, for all have sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. We need this. doesn't matter whether you're Jew, Gentile, slave, nor free. There is no distinction. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God is not just made up of his attributes, he does not consist of goodness, mercy, and justice, and power. Listen to this. God is goodness. God is mercy. God is justice. God is power. Every attribute of God is identical with his essence. When you look at the standard of what justice is, when you look at those things, it is God. And we are created in his image. And that's why we long for justice, because of that that is in us. And we see this verse, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He redeemed us for that. Have you ever been in the presence of greatness, where you, you're around somebody, and they're just, they've done, accomplished great things, whether it's sports, or some sort of leader, politician, some sort of, like someone who served in war or something, there's a weightiness to them. This, many times they're intense. And when we see this, God is, is a, 
100% righteous and just. And he's all of these things, and there's a weightiness to God. And only God is 100% righteous, and only God is 100% just. Therefore, if we fall short of that 100%, in any way, any way, we miss the mark. And we need the grace of God. And it says here, when we're justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And redemption means a buying back, buying back a slave or a captive or making free payment by, or for a ransom. And Jesus did that. And Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And Jesus did that in our place to become that curse that we can be redeemed. He paid the price. And in this, we see the amazing justice of God displayed in the death of Jesus. The price paid was high for Jesus, but it's free for us. God is the 100% perfect judge and carries out the only way to be justified, to be free from the condemnation of breaking his law. It says here, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This, this word, propitiation, what this means, it's a very important word. I remember back in the day, I remember we had a guy in Awana. Any of you ever go to Awana growing up? I remember in Awana, uh, we had this man named Harold High who would come and, and he would teach us. And he taught us as young people the word propitiation. He's teaching it to like fifth graders. <laughs> but I remembered it. What it means is that Christ is our substitute. See, God had to punish sin. God can't just wink at sin and say, okay, I forgive you. No, there had to be a payment for it. Had to be a payment for it. And, be, and Jesus did that. He took on the cross, the wrath of God was poured out on him in our stead. The punishment we deserved, Jesus became the one who took it for us. Because God is good, a good judge. A good judge, when there is something that, let the punishment fit the crime, right? And a good judge does that. A bad judge would take a bribe. A bad judge might let a criminal who must be punished go free. We would see that as a bad judge, and, and God is a 100% perfect judge. And the only way that we could have been saved is what he did. We see this. John Murray has a, a good quote in his commentary. It says, the price magnifies the marvel of free grace. Think of that, unmerited favor of God. Justification is through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It is not through any price of ours, it is the costly price that Christ paid in order that free grace might flow unto justification of the ungodly. We must remember it was a costly price that Christ paid so we could have free grace. And so when we look at the cross, it, there's a paradox with the cross. At the, at the same time, it's two things. It's the most just time in history, and in, in a lot of ways, it's the most unjust, just because that our sin must be punished. 
and the only one has kept, and only one person, God, has kept the law of God perfectly, Jesus Christ, can pay that price. It's unjust in that Jesus was 100% righteous and holy. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. It was selfless love. We couldn't do it, so God the Father said, I will sacrifice my son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the son said, not my will be done, but yours to the Father. Therefore, we can be redeemed and given the gift of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? We can have that given to our account. We can see also here all sins of the redeemed throughout history paid for by Christ on the cross. Going on after the, in verse 25, it says, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. We see here God's divine forbearance we see that he passed over these sins that were, were previously committed. What, is, what does that mean? Hebrews 9.15 says this, says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called, by, called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Under the old covenant, sin was dealt with ceremonially, ceremonially, but their sin was not fully dealt with until the cross. Because Hebrews 10.3 says this, for, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So a covering for sins was provided and forgiveness was granted, but not because of the blood of bulls and goats. They were passed over because in God's divine plan, Jesus would pay in full the price for their sins, for the Old Testament saints. So, for example, when Abraham lied and told Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister, that, that sin was paid in full by Christ on the cross. When Moses murdered the Egyptian for beating an Israelite, that sin was paid for fully on the cross. When David saw Bathsheba and lusted after her and took her in, committed adultery and had her husband murdered, that sin was paid in full on the cross. So all sins of those who put their faith in Christ, whether they knew exactly who and what he was going to do, were dealt with on the cross. The Old Testament saints had, saints had faith that somehow, some way, these sacrifices and what we're doing, God is their Savior, a Messiah is coming. And they didn't see it, but they had faith that God would deal with it. We, on the other hand, with the revelation that we have, which is beautiful, we can look back and say, look it, the promised Messiah came. And he dealt with our sins by living the perfect life and paid, died on the cross for our sins and then was raised again the third day, defeating sin and death. And in the end here it says, this was to show, and his, show his righteousness at the present time that, so that he might be just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. The courtroom of God is always 100% just. The price has been paid on your behalf to be saved. Think of this analogy. Say, I am, I am in, in front of a judge and I have a $10 billion fine that must be paid. 
I'm a pastor at Peace Church. I don't have $10 billion. I'm in trouble. But someone comes through just before the gavel is going to pound down and say, justice served, Daryl must go to jail for the rest of his life. And someone says, I love Daryl, I'm going to pay the $10 billion. Fine paid. I can go free. And then this person says, not only that, I'm going to give a billion dollars to him every year. Money given to my account. This is the courtroom of God. We were guilty and Jesus paid the price. Fine paid. You're free. You can be saved. But not only did he do that, he said, here's my righteousness. It's accredited to your account. So now when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He sees us justified just as if I'd never sinned. Amen? And that is what we have in Jesus Christ. So, Conclusion here, remember your sin, don't dwell on it because Jesus paid your debt. I love the old hymn, Jesus paid it all. The words say this, I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and, and melt the heart of stone. For nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And we can rejoice because you, we also have received from God his righteousness. We can rejoice because we have been redeemed. We have the redemption and we have, the justi we have justification because the price has been paid in full. And as we go throughout our daily lives, may this be the driving force for those of us who know Christ to say, I want to bring him glory and I want to proclaim his goodness because this is where I came from, my sin, and this is where God has brought me through Jesus Christ. And if we want true justice in this world, it begins by people becoming justified by the work of Jesus Christ. There are many things we can do to help bring justice in this world, but if true change is going to come, it's going to come from those come to know Christ as their savior, those who learn to love God and love their neighbor, and transformed hearts are what's gonna change things. And I just wanna invite anyone, if you don't know Christ as your savior this morning, I'll be up front, or if you came with someone, don't leave here without talking to somebody today. It is important. If you have questions, aren't quite sure, come talk to me or talk to somebody about what Jesus has done for you on your behalf. What a great salvation we have, amen? Let's go to him in prayer.